Our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland, is joining us. Steve Cleveland's weekly interview with DJ and PK is brought to you by Mountland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agriculture, irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Steve, uh, DJ's off. Jake Scott, who is our jazz uh, radio guy, is joining us. Uh, so, first off, good morning. Good morning. And I want to get into something that's a little bit different today with you. And I know you can speak to this because I know you've been there. Um, I saw Bobby Hurley got suspended coaching at ASU. And they played at Stanford over the weekend. And the foul discrepancy was a free throw, not fouls, but free throw discrepancy. Stanford shot 41 and the Sun Devils shot nine. And including with one second to go, they called a foul on ASU with the score tied. And the Stanford guy made all three. So they lose the game. I can recall a couple of times. I, I think it might have been the Cable Car Classic. You guys were playing at, at Santa Clara. I don't remember who you were playing. I don't think it was Santa Clara, but I don't remember. And the foul discrepancy was so nuts that you looked like you were going to burst. And Dave Rose did burst. He ended up getting a technical foul in that game, if I remember. But 41-9, to if you're on the 9 end of that 41-9, to what are you thinking as a coach? You know, I have been in those situations, and it's really frustrating uh, when it's going on. And, and, and there are times, you know, I mean, I coach enough games to know if we're not attacking the basket and we're playing soft that, you know, those things can happen sometimes, but you know what? Officials are human. And, uh, and it's, it's, I'm not saying officials have agendas or they got something out for you. You feel that way sometimes, especially in, and usually those things do happen on the road more than at home, but it, it, it is frustrating. And I think what you have to really concern yourself with is, is the players because, they have – they're the ones that are playing. I mean, and I, and I, I have – I mean, I, I didn't get thrown out of a bunch of games or anything, and I didn't get a, a lot of technicals. But when I did get technicals, it, it, you know, it was really clear that I was upset and that I felt that we, that we were being taken advantage of. And so I do believe that coaches have to stand up for their teams. You know, and I do believe that a technical once or twice or three times or whatever is it, not a big deal. But you have to protect your guys. And the thing that irritates me in those kinds of situations is just be consistent. And, and that's what happens when you start watching games is you go, man, they're getting every call. Well, they're going north-south. They're always you know, they're attacking the basket. And, you know, you can make up those kind of excuses. They're more aggressive to the rim. That's why, you know, there's more fouls being called. But typically, I, in my experience, I, I would talk to the officials and I'd say, you know, just explain to me why they shot 27 free throws. We're two very good basketball teams here, and we shot three. What, what is it that we're not doing? I, I would just go up to them and, and not do it at a time where I'm screaming and yelling at them. I'm not going to get anything out of that. That's just going to make them upset. But I, I had good luck in terms of turning that thing at times, most times. You said, just watch what's going on here. Let me make you aware of it. There's three of you out there. <laughs> you know, somebody's got to see what's going on. Yeah, so, it's funny. Uh, I remember you did that one time. Uh, the referee's name was uh, Bill. Uh, I probably don't want to say his last name. But you were at the Marriott Center. And I forget, again, I forget who you were playing. But... All of a sudden, right, I think it was before the first media timeout, you had like four fouls called against you, and you stood up, 
and you said something, and he ran by, and he basically said, uh, Coach, don't worry about it. Uh, we're barely into the game. And the message I took is, this thing will even out. It's one-sided right now, but talk to me at halftime. Talk to me at the end of the game. Basically, he was saying, almost to the point of, it'll correct itself. Yeah, and it usually does. Good officials, they, they see the pace of the game. They, they see the kind of contact. And, you know, and, and some, you know, you're pounding it inside and pounding it inside, which, which we did a lot of. Our bigs got, you know, we had good bigs. And they got beat up and beat up. And sometimes bigger, stronger guys, when they get hit, don't fall down. You know, but they're, they're still altering a shot. It's still impeding their pass to the basket. So, yeah, I mean, I had com- I had multiple conversations with guys on that, and there were times that we, we all get upset and kind of lose it. But I didn't. I didn't really feel in in I don't know thirty seven years of coaching that I really, really got taken advantage of in a free throw line. I mean, I you go back and watch tape. Usually, go, you know what? We we were we were passive. We we weren't aggressive. We we didn't get into the lanes, and uh, so you, you change your mentality a little bit, though. But I, I, a lot, if you're talking to the official and you're having a conversation, and it's not spirited, but it's just a hey, matter of fact. Just, I'm just this is what I'm seeing. Most officials will step back and go, "Let's take a look at that." Yeah, you know what? I will take a look at that and see what's going on, because they're human too. They're seeing the game at a pretty fast pace, and uh, you know, coaches have another set of eyes. But in, in most in most games, I didn't feel like I ever really got taken advantage of through an entire game. But 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 definitely it happened during games. And if you handle it right, and don't I mean there are times to get technicals. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely, you got to get technicals to get people's attention, especially officials or sometimes your own players. You know, and uh, if you're always taking the path of least resistance. And we're, you know, our action is east-west and never north-south, and we're never creating contact. You're just taking, you're settling for jump shots. You're not going to get a lot of calls. And you see that happen all the time. And you still see coaches get upset about it, but a lot of it has to do with how you play the game. Coach, I want to ask you uh, about what Mark Pope's doing right now at uh, at BYU. But I'll, I I played not that you care about this, but I played high school uh, tennis and uh, at Skyline here locally. And uh, my sophomore year, we had the three best tennis players, not me, in the state. And I don't think they lost a, a set all year. And uh, and we won the state championship. And our coach got the coach of the year. And I can't remember what exactly his quote was, but it was basically like, I don't know why you're giving me this award. All I did was tell those guys to go out there and play. It was the easiest coaching job of my entire career career. <laughs> and uh, with what Pope's doing, to continue to win basketball games, taping it together without your your bigs, is this, should we be giving him more credit for coming up with game plans to to still get W's? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yes, there is credit to be given here because this team, you know, both of those bigs, uh, you know, and, and Baxter was bouncy and athletic, but Harvard is the guy that took up so much space and it just made it really difficult. Now, so, yeah, the answer to that question is yes, you do give Mark Pope credit. They've had the – and every coach has to go through this. When we all lose guys, you don't lose usually your two senior – and one's well, – I guess they're both senior bigs. Uh, and I don't know if they're coming back next year or what the circumstances are. But it has given them – this opened an opportunity. You know, once somebody's disappointment turns into an opportunity here, uh, Traore – you know, Loner is finally starting to play a little bit, but to watch Seneca Knight and Gideon George and Tiki, these guys have all grown and gotten better. And I know George is a senior, but at the end of the day, 
he's getting to play more. And what's happened is that this team defensively is so connected and so solid, and 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 they rebounded. And I and I think that one of the one of the good things is when you go smaller, and, and this you consider a six 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 six, you know seven six seven guys in the post, is they can they can switch almost everything, which makes it them better defensively. They are, they already have that physicality. They ha- they have that really toughness about them. And, and I think the coaching staff has brought that out in them, but a lot of them will come there, come there with it. I mean, you're talking about Barcello as a guard is a really tough kid. Lucas, really tough kid. Nell, really tough kid. Traore and, and Gideon Knight, I thought, was a, a little bit soft when he was younger. But his competitiveness and his toughness, all of those guys, Johnson, uh, it's just amazing to me – how solid and connected they've been defensively, and, and I and I attribute that to the coaching staff, but I also attribute it to it's it's easier to play great defense, uh, especially when you're playing two games a night or three games in a week, that you are switch everything, you can get up into people, you know. And I'm watching college basketball, and a lot of it looks like the NBA. And everybody is running dribble handoffs. And everybody's running screens, slip the screen, another dribble handoff, try to turn the corner and go north-south. It's really hard for teams to go north-south against BYU because they're literally, when they're switching, it's body-to-body, hand-to-hand, and it doesn't matter. So Traore can guard a guard. Loner can guard a guard. You know, Barcello, they're guarding guards already. And, and and guys like Lucas, who are 6'3", 6'4", just strong bodies. Gideon, I think George is, I think he's 6'6", or 6'7". Uh, Knight, not quite as thick, but he is athletic. They're really good defensively. Really, really good defensively. It's, it's one of the better defensive teams that I've ever seen at BYU. And yet nobody would have suspected that, but a lot of it has to do with the, 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 the team and how it's connected and how, because of their size, their athleticism, and quickness, there's not many mismatches. You know, and, and Traore is strong enough, even though he's smaller size, against guys that are 6'10 or 6'11, he, he's strong enough to get guys off the block so they don't get comfortable there as well. And, and I, I really, I think that, well, I've watched most of the BYU games, and I, I think if, yes, Marcello is really special, Lucas is a really special guard. They can create and make plays. But they hang their hat on, on defending the ball. I, I really believe that. And, and just being together defensively. I think that's the strength of this team. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens here in conference play. And I, I think the conference is, is better. Some of the teams that haven't been very good for all. I mean, I didn't expect USD to come in and give BYU a game. And they, they gave BYU a game. And, uh, they're, you know, there's four or five teams, USF, St. Mary's. They're all pretty tough, and even Santa Clara. I've watched Santa Clara play up here, and uh, they've had some good wins. So I think the league is better than it's ever been, and uh, is, is from top to bottom, it's better. And win championships, get to postseason. You know, were, you know the old adage that you know, great offense puts people in the seats, and defense wins championships. Well, I think you need both. But I think this team defensively is really special. Our basketball insider Steve Cleveland joining us. 
I wanted to go a general question. You know, the NFL games were sensational, and you had spoken about Josh Allen being from a small town uh, in the San Joaquin Valley up by you guys, so you know his story probably pretty well. And it looked like they were going to win, and then 13 seconds to go, the kick, and then overtime. And you see his dad celebrating wildly when they score and looking like, wow, we're just 13 seconds away of going for the ASC title game. This is awesome. And then it gets snatched away. I mean, sports can be so cruel. It's, it, it, every single person, no matter what level, has had their heart crushed. <laughs> and I'm sure you've been in that situation. You had some NCAA tournament games, particularly that one yep. against Syracuse at over in Denver that it looked like you had an opportunity yep. to win. I remember being in the locker room, and gosh, it couldn't have been any worse. And can you speak to how it is from a coaching perspective uh, to put everything into it and then to come up short and just how difficult it is to deal with and, and get over? Boy, you know, those are very, very, very difficult times, especially when, you know, especially when you get into meaningful times of the year where it's in a, it's in tournament play. It, it's uh, in, you know, playing for championships. It's playing to get to the NCAA tournament or, Maybe just even getting to the NIT and how critical and big this game is for the whatever program it is to take the next step. And you know, last night I'm watching that, and I'm over at my son's. It was his birthday, and and, and I, we do have friends that uh, are friends with the Allens, and, and and so there's a connection that I don't know him personally, but I especially look at the journey this kid took. You know, Fireball High School, some small high school in Central Valley, goes to Reedley Junior College, which no one's heard of, and and you know down by you know southeast of Fresno, and uh, and then he plays at Wyoming, which you know they've had some good football teams, but I wouldn't say that's the real elite high level football in terms of top twenty teams in the country, and to see this kid perform like he did, I mean I, I'm telling you right now that my grandsons and my son, just because we've got a connection. And I listen, I I love Kansas City. And I love Coach City. I mean, I, I love their Mahomes. I mean, it's like I always pull for Kansas City. I found myself last night pulling for an underdog, a guy that who had just done something special. And when that happened, man, I'm telling you, right, it kind of ruined my evening for about 20 or 30 minutes. It's like you know, I got so, I hardly ever get engaged now that I'm not coaching in a team. My grandsons, maybe, but I just don't get engaged. Last night was one of those nights, and so I can remember you, you talked about, you know, us playing Connecticut, UConn, and us playing Syracuse, where we had opportunities in the last minute of the game to win the game, make a free throw, and, you know, whatever it might have been. And those are, those are they are, they just make your gut ache. <laughs> to be honest with you. you, you just you feel so badly because you you know, and the reason you feel bad is because you've worked so hard, you've done everything to get there, and you love these kids and you want them to be successful. And uh, yeah, it's just like falling off a two-story building flat. You know, it's like oh my gosh. And yeah, I mean, you're resilient. You get through it. You work through it. Uh, but when those things happen at the end of the year, it lives with you a little bit. And eventually, you just got to get out and get back on the road recruiting and get back out doing and keeping yourself busy. And eventually that really strong feeling in your gut that felt bad goes away. And all of a sudden you realize that, you know what, there's light. There's light at the end of the tunnel here. We're going to go find better guys. We're going to go get guys here. We're going to do some different things schematically. And you just start, that's what you do each year. You just 
take take one more step, try to get yourselves a little better. But it, it, it is heartbreaking. I'd be lying to you if, you if I didn't say that because it, you, you just get really – and you know what? The highs, the euphoria that comes from winning games like that, last-second shots, uh, it's, it's just absolute jubilation. You know, and guys are hugging each other and the, the chemistry of a team. And, and the funny thing is, oftentimes through our losses and through our challenges is when we make the greatest growth and develop the greatest chemistry. And, and that's what pulls teams together. And I, mean, and I, and I consider most of the teams I, I've coached. I mean, I, there's a few teams that I look back and we could have been more connected, but I usually had really good relationships with the guys. Our coaches had good relationships with the guys. And so it wasn't just one guy hurting because he missed a one-on-one free throw or turned the ball over. It's everybody. And I, I saw that. I mean, last night, Mahomes, rather than celebrating, runs trying to find, you know, Allen. He went, where is he? And, he, you know, and he just embraces him, hugs him, because he knows what he feels like because he's had that same experience. That kind of respect in competition, uh, fans sometimes maybe don't notice, but uh, you, you do as a coach. So, yeah, I, I felt bad for them last night. I'm, I'm, I mean, I love the reads, and you know, I, I pulled for them forever. But for last night, it was the, the little kid, the young boy from Fireball that went to Reedley College, that went to Wyoming and finds himself on the biggest stage in sport and just shined and still didn't win. And so it's, it's, not, it's not fun sometimes, but uh, it's, it'll be back. And, uh, but um, like I said, I've always rooted for Kansas City, but for, for whatever reason, I kind of got emotionally attached to, to this kid from the Central Valley, just knowing his story and knowing his family. If the Jazz can find the right move out there at the trade deadline, what should they be looking for? What should priority one be? I, I mean, it's, talk, it's been talked about a lot, but I mean, you know, it's like, do we need a 3 and D guy? Do we need a wing? Do we need another athletic wing that can defend? Uh, number one, they need a healthy team and get everybody out of health and safety protocols and get healthy. I mean, I watched the game yesterday, but they, they do need – someone that can defend, but I don't think we're going to take someone that can defend at the expense that we're going to give up the ability to, to, to score as well. Uh, I, I, you guys are closer to this than I am, but I, I do believe they need a presence defensively and uh, th- that on, on a, another defender on the wing. And I, I know that's been talked about, but you just do, because Bogdanovich and Engel, those those guys have such high keys. And Bogdanovich had a great look at that last night. I mean, he had a great great look at it. And and I and I watched their team struggle. And obviously, when you don't have Mitchell, it it, it really hurts. And because he's a guy that is going north south all the time. I mean, Conley and Bogdanovich and Engel, uh, you know, all of them. But really, O'Neal, they struggled. You know, Clarkson's good at it, but Clarkson has kind of been in a struggle mode himself. But they've only got a couple of guys that can really go north-south, get into attack, create help, and get situations. And, and that being said, Utah is, is a really good offensive team. And they haven't been playing well lately. And they've had, I think the last four games, they've lost three of them to the Lakers, the Rockets, and, and the Warriors. But that Warrior game, they're certainly in a position. And, and the other thing I think, too, is that as we evaluate teams and try to figure out what they need, um, that changes. <laughs> and, but, but for me, I think if I'm, I'm the Jazz, I'm looking for a 3 and D guy that's athletic, 
You know, a guy like Jay Crowder, who is, 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 he, you know, he knows his role, does what he does. He can hit open threes, but he can guard. And, and especially he can stop that kind of penetration. Um, that, that's, that's what I look at in terms, I mean, they've had, you know, Rudy Gay's come in and, and been a great addition for him, done some nice things. But, but last night, it, it, it was a struggle. And Jordan Clarkson has to play better. You know, listen, I, he, I, you, everybody loves that kid. But he's just going through a rough patch right now. And he's just got to get his confidence back. And, again, it's the same thing. When you play certain teams who lock up, defend everything, they'll, you know, on ball screens, they'll double ball screens, they'll red or black depth ball screens, and, and not allow. they you got to create space. Donovan Mitchell creates space. He can do that on his own without an offense. And when he can do that, and they come and help, boom, you get contested shots that aren't nearly as contested as you would if you're just passing it around the perimeter. That's one of the things for me, is I watch the NBA, and uh, and, it's, and in college as well, everybody's running the same action. <laughs> and not everybody, but probably 75% of the teams, everything is a handoff to a ball screen, to a slip on, on the screen, to another ball screen, to another handoff. It is so perimeter, and the majority of that movement goes east-west because everybody's switching. And so it's like a wall. It's, it's like I, you know, I talk about this on the show, but I, it, it's, hard, it's hard for me to watch the Los Angeles Lakers play, even though it's a place where I grew up and I fold for them forever, because they, every shot they take is closely contested. And, and there's a difference between closely contested shots and those where you have a foot or two and you have space and the defender has a hand up, but it doesn't impact your shot. And the more, the more you play where it's static and there isn't that north-south or, it, it, or spread the floor with back cuts, curl cuts, just get things spread out and have different action, that's why the Suns and that's why Golden State both. And Golden State didn't play great last night, but they do things differently than a lot of teams. And, and, and the Suns especially. There's no question. I mean, you don't know where they're going to go. They're going to make a front cut, a back cut, a curl cut, but there's constant movement. It's hard to guard those types of teams. And so with Donovan Mitchell, uh, Conley can get into the seams, but he gets stuck. And he's a guy, too, that's been in the year, the league for 16 years or so, whatever it is. He, he's not going to be your penetrator. He's going to be a shooter, and he can flat-out shoot it. He's got great leadership. But they've got to have guys that can – Break people down and get shots for other people. And and you look at the best teams and you're just taking a look at the Suns themselves. They they got constant movement. It's just not standing on the perimeter and handing the ball off, dribble handoff. Okay, we're going to set another ball. And I know the ball screen is a big part of it because you have a shot clock and there's not a lot of time. But for a lot of teams, the the matchups are difficult for them. And so you, you got to be able to. Do things a little bit differently, but I do believe when Mitchell comes back and hopefully Clarkson gets back into it, they'll be okay. I still think it's a three and D guy, but I I do believe. I watch a lot about the NBA, and I'm just so tired of watching guys taking tightly contested shots. I think can you not do something, create some kind of action where we can create space where everything isn't just absolutely in your face contested. Now, these guys are so good that they still make shots, 
but over the length of a full game, that's going to wear you down, and all of a sudden you're going to go through shooting slumps. And so, for me, it, it's fun to watch the Suns and to watch Golden State. And it's Miami does a lot of different stuff as well. I mean, you know, Cleveland plays really different, but 80% of this league plays the same, and it's whoever has, you know, the better players, the better schemes. But for the most part, you, you don't have to spend a lot of time. You spend more time on what individual strengths are and what the players' strengths are and take those things away than worrying about the action because the action is pretty much the same. They know we're going to see game in and game out. We watch the same thing in the NBA. And, and, and it's not to say the whole everyone does it, but that is the trend, and it's the trend in collegially too. So I always tried to create space so that we could have shots, not wide open shots. You get those once in a while. But create enough space where guys feel comfortable. And, and so run action away from the ball. Run action on the ball where people are back-cutting and front-cutting and doing different things. And I, I just I, – I, I, listen, and these guys that are coaching in college and the NBA, they're brilliant people. they got great staffs. But I think the general direction of offense in college and basketball is really familiar to everybody because that's what everybody's kind of doing. Coach, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. Have a good week. All right, that's Coach Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. We'll come back and get you up to date. Hit uh, some jazz. Uh, we haven't hit that enough yet with uh, Jake Scott joining us. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Kurt Elan joining us. A lot of people are hitting the panic button on the Utah Jazz right now. Where are you at in your concern level on the Jazz? I'm probably not as panicked as most Jazz fans. It is concerning that the Laker loss and, and won a couple of weeks ago, just the small ball concern is still there, right? Like that they've, hey, we're going to go with LeBron at center and it kind of works. That's concerning. I know that every time there's a slump with the Jazz, the Rudy Donovan stuff kind of percolates to the top, but it feels like with them that chemistry is a three game winning streak and I feel like that that'll turn around once they kind of get their bearings again and, and start playing better, but they don't seem connected on the court in the way they did even earlier this season. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio headlines are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air. Home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Jake Scott sitting in today for the Snig Dog. The Jazz go down to defeat. And we can talk about how the Jazz are injured and, and all that. Obviously, Mitchell's their best player. But the way I looked at it, man, they blew a Golden State opportunity. <laughs> so hey! Buzzing! <laughs> because the Warriors are without Green and Clay Thompson, and Curry goes 5-20. So they're without the real Steph Curry, too. So I was disappointed that they didn't take advantage of that. So... They had plenty of opportunity to do so too. I mean, they made they made mistakes down the stretch. So, you know, not sugarcoating anything. They had probably four or five different ways they could have won the ball game last night. And I'm with you on the Bogdanovich shot. Right guy taking it. You know, he's hit game winners before. Got no problem with with Bogdanovich taking. It. I didn't like it that he slowed down 
interrupted the momentum and that it did a step back, step back as opposed to pushing it or even just pulling up and shooting right there as opposed to slowing down and doing the step back thing. But I've got no problem with Bogdanovich taking, uh, taking the shot. And Royce's putback was right there. I mean, it just short off the rim. Uh, they played hard, though. I'm glad we played that uh, that Rudy clip right yeah, but, there. Yeah, because I, I, I expect that. That's minimum to me. But it hasn't happened through uh, some of these losses. And, and the Jazz... I'm not going to give them credit for doing what I expect them to do. That's fine, but you can acknowledge that it hasn't always been there. I think the key... Okay, I'll rip them for not doing it, but I'm fine. not going to give them credit for doing the minimum. But... If they get their guys this back, high school or college, and continue to play hard, I think they'll be right back to where they were. I see no reason why they're not. I agree yeah. with that. I, I mean, get your guys back, and then you know, get pulling in the same direction and play hard every night. And I think that they're going to be right back to a top three seed in the West. I I still think they're a better team than Memphis, and I know they play Memphis on Friday, and they've got uh, or no, they play Memphis. Yeah, Memphis Friday, right? And they've got Phoenix twice, obviously, with kind of this home home weird thing. Um, I'm hoping we'll, they can split. But if if the Jazz Phoenix. are at full strength and everybody's playing hard and pulling in the same direction, I still like them better than Memphis. So that's the key. And last night, you know, you you give yourself a chance to win the ball game, even though you're shorthanded. And they played yeah, hard. But doing they were it. shorthanded too, right? So and that that, wa- that washes out. In fact, I I asked earlier, would you make that trade? We don't have Green and Thompson, and Steph Curry goes five for twenty. You don't have Mitchell and Whiteside. Do you make that trade? I make it. The Jazz lost to the Rockets last week. They've lost to Indiana twice. They lost to Detroit a couple of weeks ago. You know, they go okay. out against the Warriors and play hard and give themselves a chance to win the game. There are a lot more examples you could point out if you really want to drag the Jazz than last night. Is that where we're at? They they played hard and gave them the chance to win the game. At the moment, yeah. Man, that, that's that's a steep decline from what for, we anticipated. Except for my perspective of the team hasn't changed. They're going through some stuff. They'll put it back together, and they're going to be what we thought they were going to be. I don't know but at the moment, together. I see no reason why they don't put it together. Yeah. And maybe they don't. I don't know. I'm not here to predict the future. I would have told you the uh, the Yawks Niners would have lost over the weekend. I don't know. But I would bet. Well, I would. I I would have told you John Stockton would mask up. uh, I anticipate the Jazz putting it back together, being the team that we know that they are, because we've been watching this team for years. I would agree with that. So that doesn't mean that they don't need to make a move either. You know, we asked Coach Cleve about that, too. Always be looking to make your team better. Better. And if there's that opportunity, they they should do it. past... February tenth. Yes, I would agree with that. And it doesn't. If they limp all the way to the All Star break, it will make no difference to me. It, my Ooh, my that's opinion. That's a long limpage. My opinion will still in the NBA. You just need to make sure you're. Yeah. In. Okay. That's if it. You're, it, uh, oh, I don't know about that. You're just sure you're in. They're already in. They're not going to fall out. So why is everybody freaking out then? It's fine. Because historically, the number one or two seeds are the ones who win the championship. Because no, usually they're the best teams. Right. So if you limp the whole season, then you're not one of the best teams. Well, so you're not going to win the title. Depends on how you're playing at the end and who you uh, play against. It's very rare that the team, a team who doesn't play well in the regular season wins the title. Jazz had the best record in the league last year. How much did that matter? That's the other end of it. I'm talking about this end of it, the bad end. I'm talking about if you don't play well, can you win the title? No. 
don't play well in January, you can't win the title? <laughs> no. At some point in the season. Every, not every not team, a select snapshot. I'm talking about if you get in at the 6, 7, 8 seed or 9 or 10 now, you're not winning at all. That's just a reality. It's, I think the Rockets did it once from 6 with Olajuwon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Milwaukee did it last year with 4. They were the 4 seed. Okay. But I, I'm talking about, see, if they limp to the All-Star break, they could fall 6th. Oh, no. Yeah, there's no history of winning the title from that position. You talk about it all the time. I don't care about the history of winning the title from that position. You talk about it all the time. You're going to face these teams in the playoffs anyway. Are you going to beat them or not? Who cares if you're but, the six or the seven or the four or the three? Because you're. Are you going to go in? Are you going to beat them seed, or not? You're not good enough to win it. You're going to play. What do you mean you're not good enough to win it? The if seven seed? You start out at even in the playoffs. You're, but you're not good enough. What does that prove? You just got to get in in the NBA. Nah, I disagree. It's true. You got to beat those teams anyway. Right. You're right. So you want to have as much confidence going in. You want to have as much of a track record as possible. And now you're talking about in. something different. You're talking about confidence. Yeah, you don't get confidence if you're the seventh seed. Yeah, but that has... There's no way Memphis had confidence that they were going to beat the Jazz last year. This year, an entirely different story. Last year, no. Okay. They were a different team last year. And the Jazz are built to win now. So if you're built to win now and you finish seventh, you sucked. Okay. You got in, but you're not near good enough. And this team, you're not paying $30 million of luxury tax to get in. You're paying all this money to have a legitimate shot. I think they have a legitimate shot, but I don't want to see them slip too far. It's okay to lose games now, but I don't want it to go for like six weeks. That's a huge chunk of the season. That would bother me. I would give them less and less a chance. As each week goes by and they're stumbling, losing to all those teams that you just mentioned, that bothers me. Well, I find it cute you're worried about their confidence. Hope they feel all right about it themselves. That's up to them. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to influence them one way or the other. But this is my concern. If you continue to lose, that's got to wear on your confidence. I mean, unless, In January. Yeah, well, continue. January turns into February. Turn, the word continue. Mm-hmm. Not the snapshot. The word continue. If they continue to lose, that would worry me about their chances. I mean, their chances getting out of the first round. For sure. Yeah. But I don't expect them to continue to lose. You don't care about them getting out of the first round. You're an all-or-nothing guy. Well, I know, but anyway. I say even the first round. I know. Why would that matter? Got to beat them. Oh, Got to beat who's in front of you. Because if you don't get out of the first round, now then you're it's going, a colossal disappointment. Now you're going back on all your ph- uh, philosophy about, oh, you can, you know, you duck teams to get out of the first round. Who cares about getting out of the first round? You got to beat the teams anyway. I've heard that PK opinion a million right, times. Right, but if you don't get out of the first round, your season is a... A failure. You you paid thirty million dollars in luxury tax, and you don't get out of the first round. That's freaking brutal. Well, then don't tell me that your matchup in the first round doesn't matter. Then the team should be ducking other teams to to get. Oh, a good I don't care. They they can do whatever the they want on there. I, they, they they do what they if they want to assign themselves as the four seed because they think it's better to play Phoenix 
and then Golden State. I'm fine with that. Right. Whatever. Well, I don't, now I, don't, I know the season goal is to get out of the first round. I can better per, per well, the you know, fir- I can better the, process the that. The goal of the first round is to get out of the first round. Mm-hmm. The goal of the second round, probably if you have half a brain, which sometimes I wonder, you can follow my train of thought. Well, they'll be Yacht, operating. What's the goal of the second round? To get out of the second yeah, round. Yeah, but it's going to be all gravy at that point because the season's a success. They got out of the first round. You could be playing with house money. We're talking about no one at the pro level ever plays with house money. I've said that a thousand times. They got their $30 million luxury tax worth. They got out of the first round. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's this good. Team is built. Pressure's off, boys. I think if you get to the conference final, I can consider this season a success. <laughs> Anything less, I would be disappointed. All right. Now, obviously, if you got to the NBA Finals, that would be awesome. And then if you win it, that is the ultimate. Which I think there's a a decent shot. I don't think it's beyond the realm. Even though Phoenix is seven games ahead. Now, Phoenix isn't a different thing, man. If they don't get to the final, they're thinking that their season was a disappointment. The Jazz are never going to beat your sons. I don't know. You know, that's an impossible standard. Is that a U or an O on sons? (laughs) Which one is that? That's you. A you? Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm looking if they can get a split. I don't know if the Suns win it all. Yeah, I'll be a Suns fan. I know. I'll jump on the bandwagon. I know. I thought I was a Lakers fan. Now you you're... are a Lakers fan. <laughs> but how about Clippers? Not the Clippers. You're somehow simultaneously a Dodgers and a Diamondbacks fan. Not to mention Phil's. Oh, and the Phillies. I forgot yeah, about Phillies. that. Yeah. I never latched on to the New York teams. He also hate watches the Colorado Rockies. So, Oh, yeah. The There's Ro- all, right. I Rockies know. Rockies disgust me. So, yeah, it's the Suns and the Lakers. Yes. What, what doesn't disgust me, you disgust me, but what doesn't <laughs> disgust me is homie. Because you can find the right way. Because with homie, finally the way real estate should be. Full service, local agents, and will save you thousands. Homie, a better way to buy or sell. We hit the NFL. The NFL was absolutely awesome. Wow. If they come anywhere near that next Sunday, it'll be sweet. What a weekend it was to watch NFL football. Absolutely love them. And Jake Scott vehemently opposed to John Stockton not masking up. Stay with us. We'll close the show next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. All right. Oh, Monday, Monday. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Every day is like a holiday sale at Thrive Appliance. Save 40 to 70% of name brand appliances. Thrive is receiving truckloads of new inventory every day. Visit thriveappliance.com to shop their updated inventory. Jake Scott joining us. I only asked him once because I know he's so sensitive this whole week. The Snig Dog's on a soccer retreat. So I've got other folks coming in because I figured Jake probably couldn't handle four more days of this. Oh, really? Couldn't (laughs) handle it, huh? No, plus you got to be up late with the Jazz. Yeah, thanks for picking Monday. Couldn't have picked Tuesday? Well, oh no, you couldn't have picked. Uh, I thought tonight, today Wednesday. was the best day because today's game was earlier, dude. I uh, I would come last in, night's game was earlier, right? I would come in with you every day. Listen, uh, you know, I'm I'm joking about the late nights because PK, I have a nine month old, and guess who's not sleeping past six a.m. every morning? The nine year old, uh, the nine month old, yeah. So I'm and up. Jake Scott, I'm up and I'm here. I'm and happy your high powered attorney spouse 
So, I mean, what do you, do you, so you haven't given the nanny the key, so you have to let her in? We, we don't. We haven't gone the nanny route. <laughs> Although, uh, you know, probably would make some things easier. But no, I haven't gone down that road yet. You know, the funny thing, and DJ and I have discovered this, I'm sure you have, because you've been doing radio a long time. You can have the greatest takes on sports, but if there's something that resonates with people, uh, that's what they want to talk about. And this Stockton thing resonates. Uh, you know, him being Gonzaga, barring him from attending home games. And I'm looking at some of the comments. Always like John Stockton. Love him even more now. Majority of the people do not wear masks. Church, store, sporting events, most are wearing masks. That speaks volumes to where most people are with this whole thing. Over it! Much respect to John. I thought that there might be a few uh, people that would support him. Although, this is the one time fans should be happy Stockton didn't get the assist. Oh! This whole mask thing is crazy. Uh, no matter what side you're on. I wear it if I'm told to. If I'm not told to, I don't. Simple as that. I got the shots. So don't be brandishing me as far you know what. I fall in line with uh, with Democrats. Some of my best friends are Democrats. I've even got Democrats in my family. I don't talk to them very much, but, you know. <laughs> I like what Mick Cronin said, the UC Los Angeles coach. He said, so... We played basketball at Pauley Pavilion. We couldn't have any fans. And later on that night, there's 80,000 people at the Rams game, and the Laker game is sold out. <laughs> explain that, Mr. Liberal. Uh, I could not explain it. It does not make any sense. Oh, he, Siaki knew that I was talking to him. See? He just knew it. He said he the heard the phrase. Right, but your head was down. You weren't even looking at me. I just said, explain that, Mr. Liberal. I could have been speaking generally, but you immediately answered because that's the. I've outed you, buddy. That's who you are. Quit denying it. Be proud of your liberalness. Welcome to the DJ role. <laughs> I know. I've been here enough. I got it. <laughs> All right. You can get more of Mr. Liberal and Ben Anderson for the next two hours because they are next. Thanks to Jake Scott sitting in. Riley Jensen will join me tomorrow. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone.